0: many weeks we've been now in Acts we took a little break and now we're racing toward those climactic two verses that we'll finish in a few weeks but we're in Acts 26 uh, looking at a message that I have entitled standing up for Jesus now we find Paul and you've been following me Uh, Through this book you know that he's been arrested and gone before a trial and then he's out and tried again and back to jail But now he's been in Caesarea for two years Uh, Felix was the governor and Felix oversaw him for two years and Felix been dismissed Festus becomes the governor and Festus is looking after Paul in these days and then the king makes a visit to see the new governor. That's King Agrippa and his wife-sister. He's a sinful man. And he comes to see what is going on with Festus in Caesarea. And Festus says, I got this dude that Felix left me. And he says, people have been raised from the dead. And Agrippa said, I'd like to hear him. And he said, you shall hear him tomorrow. And that's where we pick up our text in Acts 26. On the tomorrow, when Agrippa and his wife, sister, has come. To hear the Apostle Paul and see what he would say. Acts 26, verse 1. Agrippa said to Paul, you're permitted to speak for yourself. So Paul is standing in front of the king. And the king says, now you can speak. We would like to hear you. And here we pick up Paul. And this is what he says to the king. Then Paul stretched out his hand and proceeded to make his defense, his apologia, where we get our word apologetics from. He's not apologizing, but he's defending his faith. In regard to all the things of which I am accused by the Jews, I consider myself fortunate, that I am about to make my defense, my apologia, before you today, especially because you are an expert in all customs and questions among the Jews. Therefore, I beg you to listen to me patiently. So then all Jews know my manner of life from my youth up, which from the beginning was spent among my own nation and at Jerusalem. Since they have known about me a long time, if they are willing to testify that I lived as a Pharisee according to the strictest sect of our religion. And now I am standing trial for the hope of the promise made by God to our fathers. The promise to which our 12 tribes hope to attain as they earnestly serve God night and day. And for this hope, O king, I am being accused by the Jews. Why is it considered incredible among you people if God does raise the dead? Wow. He's already coming in the face of the king. To share resurrection news. He picks it up in verse 9. So then, I thought to myself that I had to do many things hostile to the name of Jesus of Nazareth. And this is just what I did in Jerusalem. Not only did I lock up many of the saints in prisons, having received authority from the chief priest, but also when they were being put to death, I cast my vote against them. And as I punished them often in all the synagogues, I tried to force them to blaspheme. And being furiously enraged at them, I kept pursuing them even to foreign cities. While so engaged as I was journeying to Damascus with the authority and commission of the chief priest, at midday, O King, I saw on the way a light from heaven brighter than the sun, shining all around me and those who were journeying with me. And when we had all fallen to the ground, I heard a voice saying to me in the Hebrew dialect, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the goats. And I said, who are you, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. But get up and stand on your feet. For this purpose I have appeared to you to appoint you a minister and a witness. Underline those two words. They are very important. Not only to the things which you have seen, but also to the things in which I will appear to you. Rescuing you from the Jewish people and from the Gentiles to whom I am sending you. To open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light. And from the dominion of Satan to God. That they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who have been sanctified by faith in me. So King Agrippa, I did not prove disobedient to the heavenly vision. But kept declaring both to those in Damascus first and also at Jerusalem and then throughout all the region of Judea and even to the Gentiles that they should repent and turn to God performing deeds appropriate to repentance. For this reason some Jews seized me in the temple and tried to put me to death. So having obtained help from God I stand to this day testifying both the small and great stating nothing but what the prophets and Moses said was going to take place. That the Christ was to suffer and that by reason of his resurrection from the dead he would be the first to proclaim both light, uh, light both to the Jewish people and to the Gentiles. Paul was finished and Festus stepped in and said Paul you're a nut. Your great learning has going to your head. You're like a gnat in a yo-yo. You're crazy. He will go on to say, no, I am not crazy, Festus. I'm sharing with you the good news of the great God of heaven, even Christ our Lord. Dear friends, the spirit of the Antichrist is rampant in our world. The spirit of the Antichrist, according to 1 John, denies that Jesus is God. Anyone you find that will tell you that Jesus is not God, that He is not the Christ, He's not the promised one of Scripture, they have the spirit of the Antichrist on them. Doesn't make them the Antichrist. There is one coming who is the Antichrist, but the spirit of the Antichrist, according to 1 John, denies that Jesus is the Christ. And I want to say to you that in the last several days and couple of weeks, this pastor has been so proud, button-popping proud of his people. I have watched you, high school students going on mission, Costa Rica, standing up for Jesus. I have watched high school students all this week with Unite Pensacola from our church and other churches and churches around our region here coming and sharing the gospel on the beaches, in the mall, on the streets, wherever they could find people and inviting them to come to Christ, inviting them to come to the Bay Center. On Friday and Saturday night, we saw over 700 people make decisions for Christ as our friend Scott Dawson gave the gospel. Oh, I'm so, so thrilled with these teenagers and some of you. We got any, any groups from other churches that are here with us today? Any come? I had one or two say they might be going to stick around and be with us. Well, they may have been in the first service. But uh, others that, that came and are a part of our church uh, fellowship. But I, I'm grateful for our own kids standing. People in the workplace that have shared with me of late standing for Christ. When it's not popular, where they work and making a bold witness for Jesus as the Christ. Our college students at University of West Florida, Pensacola State, over Pensacola Christian College, other places that people are studying, they're standing, and I'm seeing that come. I I go see my mother almost uh, every day, at least every other day, and I just for a few moments, and as I go, I ride out close to University of West Florida gate, and I pray every time, oh God, take care of my mother, and send a revival on his campus. Lord, raise up a preacher. Lord, give us one or two students that would rise and stand for Jesus in the face of the spirit of the Antichrist. Paul took his stand before a king. You do not have to look far to find in the educational system, in the political structure, and office, and often in businesses, the spirit of the Antichrist rising. You speak the name of Jesus, you get pushback. Nothing new under the sun. Paul, 2,000 years ago, been in jail two years. We've not seen people jailed in America for the gospel. Seen lawsuits come. I'm really not concerned for my generation, but I am for my children and my children's children. If we do not see revival, there is coming a wave of political and educational anti-Christ spirit that will see people jailed in this nation if God does not turn the tide say pastor should we be fearful goodness no look at the apostle Paul and let's learn from him this morning and let's watch the old prophet standing up for Jesus and learn from him and do the same amen we were singing glory to his name. So if I say anything you like in the next few minutes, you don't say amen, you shout glory today, all right? Just say glory, glory to his name. What do we learn from the Apostle Paul that would help us to stand as he stood in his day? Three things I want you to see very quickly. Number one, I want you to see what I call the courage of Paul. He's standing in front of King Agrippa. This is King Agrippa II. There was a King Agrippa the I, and there was Herod the Great. The first king, Agrippa. Herod the Great was the Agrippa that was alive when Jesus was born. He tried to kill all the babies, remember? He tried to even kill Jesus, (laughs) but he couldn't do it. His son then became King Agrippa the first. You find him in Acts 12 and verse number one. He put James to death. And then his son, the, great, or the grandson of Herod the Great, is this King Agrippa, living with his own sister as his wife, this man, a blasphemer, a godless man, King Agrippa II, that we find him then standing here. And it is front of this man that Paul stands, not fearful. But with great courage in front of the political system of his day, making known the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Oh, we need young people and old people that would stand today in the face of whatever system and say, Jesus is Lord. We find it in the Old Testament with Daniel. You remember Daniel? Daniel stood. And it got hot. The lion's teeth got sharp, but God gave him locked jaw. He got out of there. His buddies wound up in the furnace, but they didn't burn up. They stood up. And the Bible says they didn't even have a smell of smoke on. Them. Hallelujah got to look after you when you stand. But I think the greatest illustration of standing for God is found in the book of Esther. A lady a teenage girl, a beautiful princess pushed into a role that she didn't want but Mordecai said to her you got to speak up She was not groomed for this, she was not ready for this, but God made her ready. And Mordecai said to her in Esther 4 and verse 14, look at this verse up on the screen. Esther, for if you remain silent at this time, hmm, relief and deliverance will arise for the Jews from another place and you and your father's house will perish. Let me tell you, friend, if God tells you to speak up and you shut up, I'm telling you he'll raise up somebody else. But when he calls you to speak up, you must take your place and stand for God in your culture, in your situation, wherever you might be. In your workplace, in your classroom, at your home, wherever it might be. We must take the courage of Paul and stand in this post-truth world for the one who is the way, the truth, and the life. He is Christ the Lord. And we dare do nothing less than stand for Jesus. Well, it's not popular. But oh, how he saw after Paul, he saw after Daniel, and he saw after sweet Esther. He will see after you if you will find courage to stand up for Jesus. Not only see the courage of Paul, secondly, I want you to see the conversion of Paul. You want to know why most people in the church will not stand up out there? It's because many of them have never really been saved. They got religion, they just don't have a relationship with Christ. You got to take me to a place and tell me of a time. And in Paul's life, he gives his witness, he gives his testimony three times in the, uh, the book of Acts. Chapter 9, Luke records when it happened. In chapter 22, he's in Jerusalem, and he tells his story. Here in chapter 26 in Caesarea, he tells his story. It's three simple things. His life before Christ, his life of meeting Christ, and his life after Christ. If you're saved, you have a life before jesus then you have a time when you met jesus and then you have a time after you've met jesus paul was a killer he went after the jews and then after the christians and he pursued them he signed the papers he had them killed he had them jailed he was a godless thug and then god lit up his world He's walking down to Damascus Road. He said, I saw a light brighter than the sun, and I fell to my face. And God sent Ananias and explained the gospel to him. He came to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and Saved and baptized and then his life after that was one standing right here in jail today. And I want to ask you today, can you tell me of a place where you met Jesus? Can you tell me of your life before you became a Christian? Then your life when you became a Christian. Then your life after you were saved. Let me tell you, I, I got saved when I was 10. I didn't have a lot of life before I, I, I was saved. But as a little boy, I met a basketball coach, my peewee basketball coach. And he said words I'd never heard. Nasty words, cuss words, and I learned all of them. I still know what they are. And if you get me in a tight corner just right, it'll get up to right here. And there has been a time or two when nobody's listening and it came out. You're not perfect after you get saved. But I I had a language that I'd learned from this basketball coach. But on a Thursday in vacation Bible school, I walked down an aisle. God called me. He saved me, changed my life. And let me tell you, from that day till this day, if those words began in my heart and start to come out my mouth, the Spirit of God convicts me and deals with me. And let me tell you, friend, if if you say you're a Christian and you can sin and the Holy Ghost doesn't bother you, you're lost and headed to hell. You just hear this preacher today. Because if you get saved, the Spirit of God lives in you. And when you walk into godlessness, I'm here to tell you the Holy Ghost will say, stop it. Whoa, I'm not telling you you're perfect. There's none perfect. No, not one. I got a granddaughter that's close. But nobody else. Not even her. You see, friend, we're, we all see, but if the Spirit of God's not dealing, I'm telling you, if He's in you, He deals with you. And then you're walking through this process called sanctification. And you're getting more and more like Jesus day by day. One day you'll be perfect like Him. And He deals with you. And the closer you get to Him, the more you feel like you're not worthy of Him. The pastor preaches on sin. You're the first one to hit the altar. People look up and say, man, that, what are that guys? You see, God's making us like Jesus. We have a life before we're saved, then we have a moment when we are saved, and we have a life after we're saved. All right, I'm going to give you 30 seconds of my time this morning. 30 is all you get. Matter of fact, you only get 15 seconds, and the person next to you gets 15 seconds. If, if you've been saved, I want you to tell the person next to you, this is the way, if I'm sitting out there, this is what I'd say. It was a Thursday vacation Bible school, Piz, Alabama. That's when I got saved. I want you to tell the person next to you. I give you 15 seconds, then I'm going to call time. And then the person over there, you just told them, they're going to tell you. Got it? got it? All right. Here we go. The clock is running. Get ready to start and go now. Time's up. Switch. Time's up. Back here to me. All right? I gave you all you're going to get. Now, if you didn't have a story to tell, you you need to know the Lord. If you lied about it, you need to know the Lord. Yes. You see, I, I just don't talk about it. I tell you, friend, he's raised you from the dead. You got to talk. He's given you eternal life. It's the greatest gift in the world. You'll never stand out there if you've not stood in here. This is the easiest place you'll ever stand. He said, but there's people in there that be again, yeah, there'd be some people give you trouble in here, but if we find out who they are, we take them behind a the building and deal with them. They're not gonna mess with you. <laughs> but when you go out there, it, it'll get hot, it'll get tough. But if you don't know that you know the Lord here, you'll never stand out there. Hmm. it was easier to stand I was in high school we were in a Jesus movement it, it was almost the minority report to be lost it was the majority to to go forward in our little school but then I went off to college my buddy that turned upside down they thrust me in a college basketball team I led to my buddies to the Lord came to my house one Thursday night and I led them to Christ Boy, some of those guys, they wouldn't have known the Lord. They met him in a 40-acre field. It was tough. But we just kept standing, kept standing, kept standing. That's what you got to do, stand for Jesus wherever you are. But you'll never stand unless that you know you know it. The courage of Paul, hallelujah. We we see him stand. We see the courage mission, uh, or or the conversion of Paul. But then thirdly, this is really the reason I came here this morning, is the commission of Paul. The commission. And I want you to see this. Notice it in verse 16. He's been saved, and and God said to him, verse 16, look at it. Look in your Bible. Verse 16, you've got it open right there on your phone. But get up and stand there it is stand on your feet standing up for Jesus get up and stand on your feet for this purpose I have appeared to you to appoint you Paul I've called you and I appoint you a minister and a witness a minister and a witness say those two words out loud with me I've appointed you to be a what yes, sir, and a, witness. a minister and a witness these are two very important words you say pastor I'm not a pastor I... no the word minister you got to understand it this word minister is hupateros Alright, Hoopo is the front of it, means under. The last half of the word means to row, to row like you row a boat. A minister is an under rower, that's this word. It's like those that are down in the bottom of a big ship, and they have an oar, and they row. They're down under, but it's not that they're just down under in the ship, it is that they are acting under another's authority and direction. They have the oar and someone at the front is saying stroke, stroke, stroke. Stroke. Everybody on the left quit. Everybody on the right hide. We're going to turn the ship. Stroke. About two miles in, you have a stroke. (laughs) You're dying down there. But you are under the authority and the direction of another. That's this word. Dear friend, you'll only stand for God when you become his minister, his under-roar. That you are not giving the directions for your life. He's giving the directions for your life. And when he says stroke, you then move. When he says stand still, you stand still. When he says go, you go. When he says stop, you stop. Paul, I've appointed you as an under rower. I'll send you where you need to go in the time you need to go there. You stay or you go according to my direction. God tells us what to do. And then secondly, is a witness. That is the word martos. We get our word martyr from it, one who dies for the faith. This is one who, uh, the word martos is an announcer a proclaimer. He announces the gospel facts. Paul announced them. Look in verse 22. So having obtained help from God, I stand to this day testifying, 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 announcing both to the small, the great, doesn't matter who you are, stating nothing but what the prophets and Moses said was going to take place, that Christ was to suffer, Reason of his resurrection from the dead and he would be the first to proclaim like both to the Jewish people and to the Gentiles He was announcing the gospel and the gospel is simple. Jesus lived died Buried rose Reigning glory to God. He is Lord. You are not and you pronounce the gospel you are to give out the gospel verse 18 says, when those that you share it with receive it, that their eyes will be opened, they will turn from darkness to light. Leslie was singing, that line was in her solo, just a little while ago she was singing about turning from darkness to light, their eyes being opened, they turn, verse 18 says, from the dominion of Satan to the dominion of God, they receive forgiveness of sin and an inheritance We're supposed to be proclaimers, tellers. This week I took a lawyer to lunch and we were able to share twice with some people. It was amazing. We were having lunch. Young girl weighed our table. She she was fabulous in her job, absolutely fabulous. So we got to the end, I pulled out a track, and I tipped her $100. Some of you are first-time guests here. Just take it easy. I, I'm not that. Uh, I don't give my money away. I give these people's money away, all right? That's not my money. That's money people give me to give away. Every now and then, somebody come up and they'll just palm me $100. They'd use this. And so I did. And she did, broke down crying. I said, what is it? She said, I don't know what God's doing. She said, I'm having the hardest week of my life. She said, the, I just came from that table, and she pointed over there. And, and she said, that table right over there, they just asked me when I took their check if they could pray for me. And we paused, and I bowed my head, and they prayed for me. And I walked over here, and you give me this tip. She said, God's doing something. See, what God did, he took an under roller over there and an under roller over here and put them together and blessed that girl. Gave her the gospel. We're supposed to be tending. The lawyer was with me. I said, Listen, I got to go make another visit. You got time? He said, Yeah. This lawyer owes me a lot of money. (laughs) He said, I got a little time today. I said, Good, let's go. And so we got in the car, and my son and I went (laughs) to see this other person. And I'd had somebody in the church, they sent me a note last week and said, I've got this person, and they work at this place, and it's over close to the Warrington campus. and said so they worked there and they came to church here for years and then they felt like it really just didn't, wasn't good and they felt judged. And so they left and they went to another church and it really just messed up over there. And said, it is not going anywhere now. I said, send me their name where they work, I'll go see them. I'll give them an invite back. So they sent me their name and we pulled up. They were on lunch break. When I walked in, that person was sitting in a chair. And when I opened the door, they looked at me and they were eating a sandwich. She dropped her sandwich. She said what are you doing here I said I've come to get you and I brought a lawyer with me <laughs> I said no matter what kind of trouble you're in we're gonna help you today all right you, you, you got the law and grace walking in this place we decided to laugh a little bit together and she said seriously why are you here I said I've come to invite you to church I said I know you've had a hard experience with that and it's not been good and a friend told me about it but I I just come to tell you in Jesus name we love you God loves you and there's a place for you at Olive if you want to come we took just a few minutes took off I want you to hear me today that is not my job that's our job you are a minister, you are a witness. You are a witness, you are a minister. That's what we are to do. This is the commissioning that God gave me, and it's the commissioning God gave us all. Can you fathom in your head everyone who was in the early service, everyone in this service, and everyone who will come during the month of July. Do you know everybody doesn't come every week? <laughs> What if everybody came to Olive in the month of July? Decided in the month of August, they were all going to be ministers and witnesses and do what God told them to do and tell it where God told them to tell it. Why the fire of God had fall? Revival come. If we just began to tell the story, you say I can't do it. Why? You're scared. You're spineless. You're fearful get right with God find the courage of Paul and tell it you you say, preacher they wouldn't hear me I don't care if they do or not they'll cuss you I had one cuss me yesterday just on a phone call inviting people to church don't ever call me again if they hung up I sent them a text (laughs) oh are you gonna run them off to hell number two I mean what's what's the deal minister to witness. God's called us to stand for Jesus. in our. Now he's not called you to be a smart aleck. He, he's called you to love people in Jesus' name. That's what he called you to do. But now there's one last thing that God sent me here to tell you this morning. I've been wrestling this all week. We are all ministers and witnesses, but there are some that God calls to stand where I'm standing, stand where John stands, stand where Sean stands, Harlan, others, calls you to be a minister on a staff, preacher of the gospel, we call it sometimes special service, or call to the quote ministry, call it whatever you want to, but you know what I'm talking about, God's put his hand on and said I want you I'll never forget 1972 and 3 God put Psalm 31 in my heart and he said this is your life verse from now on and I had to say Lord my time is in your hands every moment whatever you want I want I take my life my hands off my life off my calendar off my vocation and Lord, my time is in your hands. Whatever you want, you take. And some of you have been dealing with the call of God to be a preacher. Some of you to be a singer. Some of you to be an educator in the church. Some of you called to missions. Our deacon chairman has gone on an international mission trip today with our international mission board. Some of you called to do that. I don't have to talk you into it because the Spirit of God's already been talking to you about it. I'm just confirming it today. When we sing this song in just a moment, I'm standing right down here. You need to get up out of your seat and walk here and take me behind and say, Pastor, I surrender. I surrender today. Today is my day. I, I'm giving my life to whatever. I take my hands off my calendar. God, whatever God wants, I want. Pastor, I come. This is the call of God's in my life. I did that in a little old country church in Rosalie, Alabama years ago. I walked down the aisle. One of my best friends in the world was preaching. Matter of fact, he's invited me to come back up, and we're going to be in a revival late in the fall of this year where I'm going to preach, and he's an interim pastor there now, having been retired, and he said they wanted me to ask if you'd come. I'm going to the Macklin Church. never even been to that church in all my life. It's just a stone's throw from where I grew up. But right there in that little church, I went forward on a Thursday night and I knelt down. I said, Lord, I, I give you my, if you want me to preach, I'll preach. That's, I, I'll do whatever you want me to do. I was so thrilled. Not long ago, Brother John talked to me. I, I, he said, You know, Pastor, it's been a good thing for our family. He said, You know, when I was a young boy, you preached and God called me to ministry. I said, Amen. But he said, You know, the thrill of our heart is that. Then under your ministry at our church, God called our son Jack. I said, well, praise the Lord. I said, I never even thought about that. What a thrill in my soul. And then for God to call John back here to be on our team, Jack's preaching this morning at a local church here in our region. Preaching out there, doing that work. Hallelujah. I don't call preachers. God calls preachers. I had Christianity Today call me not long ago. Just a few weeks ago, they called me and said, there's a shortage of pastors. I said, well, I don't know anything about that. They said, yeah, we've got more people. The boomers are retiring faster than people are preparing and coming. And and I said, well, we just have to keep doing what God calls us to do. And they said, what are we going to do about that? That's what the writer asked me. What are we going to do? I said, do about it. I said, that's not my business. I said, I train them, but God calls them. He said, we're going to be in a mess. I, I said to him, just as with the deepest, most smart-aleck voice I could find. I said, sir, God can call preachers to fill those shoes. He can do more in a moment than you can do in a lifetime. I said, he can wave his hand and grow up an army. I said, don't you worry about God's church. You worry about you. He said, well, thank you very much. I said, good, Amen. I read the article the other day. They didn't put that in it, okay? Thank God, amen. They they left me out. But they let me say a few things. But God does. God calls preachers, amen. I don't do it. Mama doesn't do it. I know some mama call preachers. They don't last very long. When God says go, you just say, Lord, my time is in your hands. Now listen to me. If you're supposed to join Olive Baptist Church and get one of these towels today, move your membership and come right here. Then I want you to come take me by the hand and say, Pastor, I'm, I'm ready. I'm, I'm coming to join. Our family, mom, dad, kids, or just one somebody, you, you're, you're coming. going to put you membership here. It's the call of God. You come today. We had you a towel. The reason we give you a towel is because we want you to go to work, wash feet. That's what that's symbolic of. But some of you here and you don't know Jesus. You don't have a testimony before Christ, knowing Christ. And you need to come say yes to Jesus. My goodness, I had a thrill. A nine-year-old little girl came this morning to early service and said, Pastor, my day today day, red to trust Jesus, be baptized I said hallelujah, I threw the towel I, I said glory to God what a day, that's why I got in this business, see that little girl come, then a grown man came So I don't give my life to the Lord but one of the reasons I'm preaching this message this morning is because somebody here God's called to preach, called to ministry called to missionary service you say I don't know for sure, I, you never know what you're gonna do, but you just know the call of God. Then you come. A man came after the service, tears in his eyes, and said at the early church, Pastor, I'm the guy you've been looking for today. I've been running, I've been running, I've been running. You ever tried to run from God? Do you know how fast He is? He never sleeps. He never slumbers. You can run, but you can't hide. And when you go around the corner, he's already sitting there waiting on you. He's the fastest guy on the planet because he's everywhere, and you cannot run. Oh, you can run, and you can run and run, but oh, friend, it is a great day when you surrender to the call of God.